Dear listeners, welcome to Faces of Digital Health, your closest link to how technologies are healing healthcare around the globe. Our focus today will be on a very important group of healthcare stakeholders, which are oftentimes overlooked, especially when talking about innovation. We will discuss the position of nurses. As you will learn, nurses are very innovative and creative. According to Rebecca Love, an experienced nurse entrepreneur, nurses do around 27 workarounds per shift. This means 27 times per day they use technology or care differently from the innovators' expectations. But in order to be efficient and deliver best care possible, this is a must. Nurses and midwives account for nearly 50% of the health workforce. Because I believe their ideas deserve more attention than they usually get, I have two episodes on the topic. Today, you will get a general overview of the position nurses are in, focused mainly on the US. And in the next episode, we will go into some interesting on-the-ground situations and experiences in the life of nurses. Like this one. I went to pick up a patient in Edinburgh. I'd flown in from the U.S. and went into this hospital. And I went to the registration desk, asked for the patients where, what room that I could find them in. And they said, well, what day is it? I don't remember. It was like a Tuesday. And I thought, what an odd question to ask me. I said, well, if it's Tuesday, then he must be in this room. So I went up to the room to find him, and he wasn't there. And when I went searching for him, they said, oh, well, actually, he's out delivering morning tea. So there's this really interesting innovation with the patients were the ones who would go around and deliver tea. And they actually would come back and report to the nurses, I think you need to go in and check in room 13. They didn't look like they were doing so well today. So it interestingly created this, this community of the patients actually peer support, caring for each other. This was Shauna Butler, the guest of the next show. But before we get there, here's a discussion with Rebecca Love. Until recently, she worked as the Director of Nurse Innovation and Entrepreneurship at Northwestern School of Nursing. She is the co-founder of HireNurses.com platform, helping nurses find jobs more easily. And she also serves on the board of NextGen Ventures. I really wanted to highlight the nursing problem or the nursing situation with you. So from a general perspective, nurses and midwives account for nearly 50% of the health workforce. And what I find especially worrisome and interesting is the predictions for uh, workforce shortages. So for the U.S., according to the uh, reports from 2012, there are predicted a uh, number of almost 1 million positions until 2030 in the U.S., and there's a global prediction that there's going to be a global shortfall of 9 million nurses uh, and midwives by 2030. And maybe just to put that number in the perspective a bit, the prediction for doctors, for example, is between 40,000 and 105,000. Uh, so the discrepancy between the needs is enormous. 
Yes, it's about a 10-time-fold uh, shortage of nurses to physicians um, in the U.S. market. And worldwide, as you saw, that's almost, uh, there's nearly 20 million nurses worldwide. So we're going to be looking at about a 9 million shortage, which is about currently a 50% vacancy rate on the national on the international scale. In the U.S., it's about a 30% vacancy rate um, in the U.S. market. Uh, so it is, it is very concerning of, of what's coming on for the shortage. So you're uh, an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur, and you founded a an online platform that connects nurses with career opportunities in 2013. The website is called HireNurses.com. It's focused on the U.S. market, and this shortage that I just mentioned is interesting to me because th this website was designed as a helping tool trying to um, make it easier for nurses to find jobs. Yes. Um, uh, traditionally, uh, in the world of nursing, uh, nurses stayed in their jobs for most of their careers in their same job. And to find a new job was very cumbersome. And the, the way that it happened for me, actually, was I was working as a hospice nurse practitioner, which means I was caring for people in their home and they were dying. And I had a patient who wanted to die in their home, but the family came and told me they were putting them into a long-term care nursing home facility. Um, and the patient didn't want to go. And this had happened on numerous clients of mine because the, the family couldn't find care to help this patient while they were at home, and it's specifically affordable care. And um, so I left that morning after seeing him, and I went and I met with a group of my nursing students who had graduated with me in uh, December, and it was about March at that time, and they, were, they weren't able to find nursing jobs. And I felt very frustrated, and I turned around to the computer, and I said, there has to be a place that connects nurses with people who want to hire nurses. Like, we know there's a huge shortage coming that people can't find them. And when I did a search, um, there was none. And that's when um, I left feeling very frustrated, woke up in the middle of the night, I called my favorite nurse, who happens to be my mom, and told her about um, that we had to create a platform that helped nurses uh, connect with new job opportunities. And so it was the general idea was sort of empowering nurses because, you know, we're not behind computers and we're not sitting at desks for long periods of time. So we don't have access to finding new jobs easily. And uh, also, we're seeing in, in the U.S., 50%, uh, upwards of 50% of our new graduates are leaving the nursing profession by the bedside at the rate of 50% um, because they're feeling um, that the, the current uh, environment of nursing is incredibly stressful. And I think that part of it also is that they don't see career progression either in the profession. Um, because of the high demands in terms of stress of the job, what's the average age of nurses, how many change professions or just uh, transfer to something else? Yes. So the latest statistics are saying in the United States, 50% of the nursing workforce is over the age of 50. Now, um, there is some discrepancy that that number could be, that the average age could be as high as 58. But um, we think that a lot more nurses on the upper end are retiring. So we're going to say 50% of nurses are over the age of 50. Shockingly, 70% of nurses are over the age of 40 in the U.S. market. So we're a very older demographic. Um, and I think there's a number of reasons why that was. Um, you know, we had a strong surge of nurses into the marketplace in the 1970s and 1980s when still careers for women were largely undefined um, and nursing was an excellent profession for them to go into. And as we've seen the last 
uh, 50 and 40, 40 and 50 years change, there's more opportunities for women to move into other careers that pay very well, that aren't demanding a day-night holiday weekend rotation with very little bit um, upward mobility. But also, um, if you look at a career of a nurse, the average increase of salary is only 1.5% per year, less than half of an increase of a typical career, uh, which is at a 3% increase of salary per year. So nurses on average are... Um, not in a position that is as uh, appealing to a woman's popular uh, to women as it was in the past, because uh, many hospitals are getting rid of uh, three day work weeks. Um, you know they're missing holidays, and they also aren't seeing the financial benefits uh, or security um, as they would in other professions. The things that you just uh, described sound unappealing if you are talking to someone that's thinking about a nursing career. And this is where I want to turn to you a bit. You already mentioned before that when you founded uh, HireNurses.com that you turned to your mother, who is a nurse, and she's the co-founder of, of this uh, online platform. So tell me, how is it working with your mother in the company as co-founders? And why did you decide to go into nursing um, since you were very familiar with the whole profession uh, already during your childhood? Right. No, actually, that is um, my mom actually went back into nursing at the age of 50. I was a freshman in college and she called me after raising the family and said, I just got accepted to nursing school. Am I too old? And I said, well, of course, you're not too old. Go be a nurse. And so she went back to nursing school late in her life. And um, I later uh, was, after I graduated college, I was looking to go to law school, actually. And um, my mom flew out on an, uh, and, and took me to dinner. And she, in the United States, education is very expensive. And um, she said to me, Rebecca, we're not going to pay for you to go to law school. We will pay for you to get a master's and become a nurse practitioner in the U.S. And, and I said to her, I said, why, why not? law. And I, I consider myself a very idealistic person. And she said, because she said, we need strong women in nursing to transform what I have seen in our profession, which is uh, that it, it is in desperate need of strong women to lead a new path because we have been doing nursing the same way for the last hundred years. And it is a profession that is lacking strong women leadership um, that needs to bring it into the next century. So um, long story short, I was sort of, I, I, I had never really looked at nursing um, as an option for me. At the time I was working on a presidential campaign and healthcare was a very big issue. And I recognized as this issue was populating across the U.S. Um, that to really be uh, effective uh, communicator, I had to become a member of the choir, as they say, as opposed to an outsider. So I ended up applying to nursing school, getting in, and it was a transformational time for me. It was a... Um, it, it, and so it was an opportunity to see and experience what it was like to step into a profession where I had already had another degree that allowed my other degree allowed for a little bit more creativity and thinking outside of the box where nursing was very much a structured follow the protocol. Um, here is where you are in the hierarchy of control. Um, you, you are always going to be, um, you know, t you know, you, you don't have the independent thought or independent voice in the world of nursing that you do in other professions. 
professions. So um, I think just by my mere nature, I had always been sort of a disruptor. And uh, starting a company with my mom, the reason that it happened was she was the only one that uh, she gave me her nursing retirement to put the foundation down and build the platform because both my father and my husband um, opposed the idea. We had I had three young kids. Um, I did not think it was time to start a business, but my mom said, you know, what? I, I, I understand the struggles and I'll, I'll make that kind of investment with you. And it was a long, hard road. I'm not going to lie. Five years of, of a lot of struggles and figuring things out because as a nurse, I had absolutely no business experience. Um, just to believe that, uh, just a belief that I could make the world a little bit better for nurses if we created a platform where they could do things in their careers that they hadn't been aware that they could do before. So where does your love for nursing uh, come from? I didn't quite understand. Was your mother then a nurse uh, during your childhood or was she a stay-at-home mom? During my childhood, my mom was not a nurse. Um, she helped my father, who was an attorney, run his law office and largely a stay-at-home mom. Um, so she had always dreamed of being a nurse, um, but she had uh, left to support my father while he went through law school. Then they started having a family. It was a traditional path. And her dream, I had always known that her dream was to be a nurse. She was she was always taking care of people, um, very compassionate. She was very much empathetic and recognizing that um, her duty in life was to care for other people. And I think she heavily instilled that in, in me. And so uh, we always took care of sick neighbors, always were cooking meals, all that kind of stuff just naturally came to our family. We would cook at the homeless shelters. And um, I think that was the kind of environment she created. Uh, what she could not do was go back to school when um, we were all facing college expenses in the United States. The cost of a nursing degree or my undergraduate degree was over 200,000 American dollars for my graduate work was another $200,000. So by the time I finished school, I had over 400,000 dollars in expenses just for my own college education in the United States. Um, it's very, very expensive to go to school here. And so she sort of sacrificed her dreams until we were through school and then went to what was called a community college to become a nurse. So how is it working together now? It, it must be oh, a very yeah, uh, special bonding experience. You know, it has its its highs and it has its lows. It's like a marriage, I think. Um, anytime you work with somebody, it's highs <laughs> and lows. And the good news is, is that because your mom and daughter, there are going to be periods of times that you have great times together and you feel like you're conquering the world. And then you're going to have moments that are completely devastating um, because something has gone horrifically wrong that you just didn't see coming. And um, so I think that we have our, uh, she is definitely my best friend. She is um, always been my biggest champion. And I know in my life that I would never accomplish nearly half of what I had accomplished if it, she hadn't been there to support me. Okay, so let's talk a bit about the entrepreneurship and nurses and how the two go together. One of the qualities nurses have is the empathy, uh, is the care, is educating patients about their health. And um, that's potentially far from uh, business skills. You mentioned yourself that you were struggling uh, at the beginning. So how is it in your view uh, possible to encourage entrepreneurship among nurses and where can they be most entrepreneurial? 
Nurses, uh, by nature, MacGyver everything by the bedside. So, And what that means is you give them a roll of tape and they're constantly making the equipment around them work better for their patients and for themselves. On average, nurses do 27 workarounds per shift. And a workaround means that they go and they manipulate the device because it's not working well into making it work better. Um, And this is something that they do every single day. What they were never taught in nursing school was that this kind of um, creativity, this kind of... uh, Uh, innovation or manipulation of tools that they're working with was actually a positive thing, um, that this was a good thing. And nursing workarounds are considered a negative, where if you work at Google and you identify a bad thing or a a user experience that's not going well for the user, it's rewarded. In nursing, it's looked at as a problem, that you're short-circuiting a protocol or a policy or a uh, device that was set to do something one way and you're making it work better for your patients, but it's not looked upon well. So nurses constantly are uh, fearful of exploring new ideas, even though they know the system is largely broken. So in addition to doing 27 workarounds per shift, they're in 36 different places over the course of one hour. So it shows that they're innovating in a highly inefficient healthcare system. So the, the things that nurses uh, do very well is they their constantly ability to understand the needs of the patient and also the nursing side on healthcare is bar none the best in the, in the industry. What they have never been done is given the tools to make the system better. They were never encouraged to identify those problems and create solutions. And when they actually did identify problems, they often were... uh, they often got into trouble because they had done that. So the the concept of what we have done in nursing is that we have not rewarded people for identifying problems. We have actually um, put them into places um, that discourage that kind of uh, advancement and innovation in, in the in the workplace. That's very interesting. I can imagine that from a perspective of, let's say, an IT provider, you know, uh, identifying all these workarounds that are absolutely totally creative can be a total pain for for the IT vendor. You know, you can never figure out the user enough. For example, you create a highly secure system that constantly uh, encourages um, uh, passwords and uh, safeguards like that. And then the users, maybe doctors or nurses, just uh, save the password under the keyboard, you know, which is not a, a very good security measurement. That is exactly it. And you hit the nail on the head. In other areas, these technical people would love to know about all of these problems because they want to make sure that the user experience is as easy for the user and the end user as possible. In nursing, they've never engaged with nurses uh, for any of the devices that they really bring on the marketplace. I can't tell you how many times a new device was rolled out on the hospital floor that was supposed to create less work for us as nurses, but actually created more work for us, created more problems because they never engaged with us. And how many times we went on to stop using those products and the hospital administrators would come out and be like, well, why aren't you using in this? And then we would explain to them because it doesn't do what it's supposed to do and it creates more work for us, so we're not going to use it. And how they would have to bring the companies back out to follow the nurses, get their feedback and design the device that therefore would then work better for nurses. I'm a big believer that the reason that healthcare is in the predicament that we are and that some it's, it's, it's dysfunctional it is at, at the user experience at the floor level when the patients are is because they're not engaged engaging the nurses. And that is what needs to change. 
How many changes in that directions have you seen, let's say, in the last five years when you're looking at the sector from a more entrepreneurial point of view? Because when it comes to digital health and innovation, user experience and technology not being an obstacle, but an invisible thing to the user to improve the work process is highly emphasized. For the past two years, I served as the Director of Innovation and Entrepreneurship at the first university in the country to ever take on that initiative. And we um, were unsure if anyone was ever going to pay attention to nurses as innovators or entrepreneurs. And I joined it specifically because I randomly made a phone call after attending a hackathon. And uh, the hackathon changed my perception on on what was possible. And I realized that there should be a nurse hackathon in, in, in the world. And I ended up connecting with Dr. Nancy Hanrahan, who at the time was the dean of the School of Nursing at Northeastern. And she said, Rebecca, you know what? I'm going to run this conference on innovation in nursing. Why don't you run a hackathon? And I said, well, I've been to one. Sure, I'll run one. And for the next year, I volunteered with her. And we had no idea if anybody would show up or if anybody would buy the idea of nurses as innovators or entrepreneurs because no one has ever talked about it. And in the course of the last 50 years, there's been less than like a handful of articles that were ever written on this kind of topic. So as we approached that event, the event sold out. We had over 250 nurses from the Boston area attending it. And so there was no roadmap. There was no direction. And in the course of the past two years, we hosted 36 different innovation events from Shark Tank events to hackathons to uh, startup courses to give nurses business skills so that they could learn. And um, we changed the conversation in the world of nursing in the United States to the point that Johnson & Johnson, one of the largest organizations that have supported nursing in the world, um, is changing their campaign for the next 15 years to focus as nurses on innovators. And the American Nurses Association, for the first time ever, appointed the director of innovation uh, for nurses. Um, So we caused a significant amount of change. And now we're seeing that across the United States, more universities are starting to pick up this topic and more hospitals are starting to embrace nurses as innovators. Is there any examples that you could mention, like how nurses are trying to improve the workflow because uh, technology is disabling? Uh, Electronic monitoring um, and EHRs have enabled that doctors uh, and nurses don't have to be by the beds side all the time to monitor the vital signs. But what are other cases when when the process and the technology is not doing its job? Yeah, so most of our devices don't talk to our electronic medical record system. So you have these IV pumps that are going off and they don't talk to the EMR system. Um, so nurses are figuring out ways to, uh, so we, we have all these situations that go on um, so that, you know, you have, tw- so in the United States system, our EMRs are largely in production because it helps with reimbursement rates for insurance. So everything is driven to drive up uh, procedures that um, can drive up insurance rates or documentation that goes along with uh, greater amounts of reimbursement. Um, and nurses are, are figuring out workarounds to get to the screens they need to faster so they don't have to spend hours charting on unnecessary things um, along those lines. That's considered one of the workarounds. Um, other ways that they have been doing it is there's um, uh, tubings that we'll have for IV tubings that um, sometimes the, the machine doesn't program the way that you need it to. So you skip a couple steps and you reprogram it automatically as opposed to going through the medication uh, system that they have set up in the IV pumps that you know have preset limits, but you recognize 
recognize that the way that those are set up is not the way that this needs to be done. So you're constantly having nurses work with um, technologies that um, have preset consumption uh, assumptions that don't work well for the flow that the nurses are having. Now, and you also have devices that don't work well for nurses. So anything from nasal cannula tubes that don't sit correctly and they take out a roll of tape and snip a couple of things on the nasal cannula tube so that working better for it. Um, these are, you know, they're using rolls of tape and, um, and padding to stop, uh, you know, uh, pressure ulcers and things that, the, the way that these devices currently don't work well. Um, so they do everything from simple things like putting chucks in bedpans so that um, it prevents overflow uh, on the bedpan and um, all over the bedsheets because, you know, the bedpan in its current format is inefficient to creating situations where urinals cut the size to you know uh, the privates of males when they're using because it's sharp and they line it with a um a level of uh, tissue so that it doesn't do that. These are the things that nurses are doing on a daily basis, very practical solutions that's causing harm to patients, but the design is inefficient to to tackle those problems. How open are the the vendors of these devices to try to improve how how they work? So I think that they want to hear back from the nurses. What I don't think they want to do uh, is give any kind of royalties or payments to the nurses for the feedback or the ideas that they have. And that is a real struggle, right? Because I, at my last university, worked with several wonderful companies that wanted to work with nurses. And basically, the nurse would come up with an idea, they would license the patent to the facility, and they would only keep a small portion of royalties. Uh, which was a, a wonderful way to do that. So they definitely want to make better, better devices. Um, the issue always comes down to money in the end, right? One of the advantages that nurses have when it comes to designing new solutions is the fact that they are the closest to the end user. They are, they are always with the patient. So they have a completely different perspective, let's say, than from an innovator that's looking at the problem from the outside. Absolutely. And I, I mean, they absolutely have um, that firsthand knowledge in a very different way. And I think what we find in healthcare is a lot of people think that they're solving problems in healthcare that have had no healthcare experience. Um, so we have all these young entrepreneurs and technologists who say, hey, we're going to solve the problem of patient safety, but they've never been on a hospital floor. They don't understand what patient safety necessarily means or what are those scores. And they're looking at it specifically through the lens of how they see it from the outside world. And the truth is, until you walk in the shoes of those caregivers on the front lines, it's the intricacies of day-to-day uh, problems between machinery, equipment, and technology where those problems exist. And sometimes more technology actually isn't the solution. It's simply the um, combination of three factors of human technology and machinery to come together to work more efficiently to provide those solutions as opposed to new solutions. Here's a provocative question. Nurses are seen as subordinates. They are paid less than doctors in the workforce. Uh, and yet here we are talking about how entrepreneurial they could be, how much their position could change, how much, how important this, it is to give them the seat at the table because that could mm-hmm. massively improve the patient care. But in terms of the power distribution, what kind of impact this could have on on healthcare wages, for example? Because, as, yes, as I mentioned, pay, uh, nurses are paid less. 
In the United States, the nurses are paid on average 10 times less than the physician. In the UK, physicians make two to three times more than nurse. So there is huge discrepancy in the US workforce um, between physician and nursing pay. Um, and so uh, the there is many things that need to change in the world of nursing. And largely, I think it's because it has largely been a female-led um, uh, uh, organization. There's nine to one ratios of women to men in the nursing profession. When men do during nursing, they get promoted much faster than women in that profession. Um, it's a good and a bad thing. Um, the truth is, is that um, there is a crisis coming in healthcare in a way that we have never seen. And there is not going to be anybody at the bedside caring for you when you're in the hospital. Um, the people that, and uh, so nurses do a huge amount of skills. So they're the ones who keep you alive by bedside. And they're not only there to empty the bedpans and hold your hand and come for you, but they're the ones giving the medication, assessing you to make sure you see things from going from bad to worse. They're handling hundreds of thousands of dollars of highly complex medication technology and um, machinery daily to keep a person alive. And what they have never been is given the respect to identify how valuable and intelligent they are. They are not simply a processor of information and deliverer of orders, right? They are not simply that person that basically the doctor writes a chart and they follow those orders. They are doing so much more to keep that patient alive. Because if it was simply as simple as following tasks, there would be no reason for a profession. You could have a machine do this. But we recognize that that's not something that can be done in the world of nursing. And what happened to the United States specifically? specifically was back in the early 1900s, they carved out the definition of medicine when women did not have the chance to vote, they couldn't own land, they didn't have office, um, they they weren't able to have any power, and they weren't in Congress. And so when medicine went and defined the world of medicine, they basically stripped out much of the policies and the procedures that had been done under nursing and midwifery and gave it all of to medicine, basically relocating the nurse to a subservient position in the early 1900s. And ever since that time in the United States, we've been clawing back for the rights of what we had done is always on the front lines of nursing. However, the monetary breakdown happens, there is going to have to be some kind of concession that, you know, at what level does the discrepancy of pay between nurses and physicians become too much? And when and what is necessary to correct that? And I don't think we have a good answer for that in the current system. Some discrepancies will definitely stay. After all, uh, physicians uh, study for much longer and doctors would argue in this uh, discussion that the level of responsibility that they have and liability is much higher for doctors than for nurses. In the United States system, from the liability perspective, physicians are often covered by the hospital for insurance purposes. So if the hospital is sued by a physician error, that physician is protected by the hospital. That is not the situation for nursing. Nurses are left on their own to defend themselves. Um, and that's the problem that we have in our current system. So in your perspective, how do you think you can encourage entrepreneurship uh, among nurses? Is there like a platform that would collect ideas and struggles all nurses face, uh, systems and work processes uh, differ? from an institution to the institution. There's the differences between IT vendors and the equipment used, but I'm sure there must be plenty of opportunities that could help on a global scale. 
There are. And, you know, so I think that there now there is uh, discussions. I think that there is a, a, a founder that I just sort of called our invention out of uh, Louisville, Kentucky, who's starting up a, uh, a makerspace for nurses. And hospitals are starting to put together innovation committees led by nurses so that they combine quality improvement metrics with innovation metrics. Um, there's a lot of courses now that are out there that our nurses are putting together to learn more. The American Nurses Association just redefined one of their major conferences in the United States to be an innovation conference. And so there has been this change. But the truth is, for a nurse to be successful, they just have to believe in what they do. And I I think the first step for any nurse that wants to start a company or has a dream is to create it in her mind. And the first thing that I would buy is people always ask me, Rebecca, if you were going to start a company again, what would be the first thing you would do? And I said, the first thing I would do is buy a URL because it makes it real. Like once you not pick out a name because (laughs) names get you so discouraged when you go try to buy the URL. You find the URL and it makes it real and it makes that ability to start seeing the future create it. Also, the thing that also nurses need to believe is that they're capable of doing this, that they can, that they have the skill set necessary. And the truth is, is passion is really what's going to get you over the end line. It's passion, it's grit, it's determination more than anything else. It doesn't matter that you have no business skills. It doesn't matter that you don't have the education behind you. All it is, is that you have identified a real problem and you have a real working solution. The idea that success is is going to happen quickly is, is one that is inflated. And the truth is, it's going to be a long haul. But as long as you stay with it, and the, mar- the secret is really staying with it for about five years, you can drive change and have an effective impact on the world that we have today. Um, and um, don't be scared by the things you don't know, because the truth is, is that you're going to figure them out as they come. And don't ever, ever let fear being the determinant of failure being the reason not to do it. Because I think what I heard as a hospice nurse over and over and over again was that they never feared or regretted spending more um, time at the office or things. What they regretted was the things that they had never tried. And it's that belief that you can make that um, by the end of your life, when you work, you look back, it's, did I live my life to the fullest? Did I risk everything that I could risk so that I could reach the level that I wanted to be in life? And I think that's what entrepreneurs are, is they are nonstop optimists and believers and motivators. And when they see a problem, they just pivot. And they are the best of what this world has to offer because um, they see the world differently. And this is why it's so natural for nurses to be entrepreneurs. This was the 16th episode of Faces of Digital Health. Tune in next time when the guest will be Shauna Butler an entrepreneur in residence at the Reshape Innovation Center at Redbound University Medical Center and part of the Exponential Medicine team at Singularity University. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the podcast, find the content on Medium, iTunes, Podbean and dive in other episodes as well. There's plenty of diversity to enjoy. And if you like what you hear, take a minute to leave a review or rating in iTunes. Opinions are always appreciated.